Chapter Twenty Six of A Hazard of New Fortunes. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The more March thought of the injustice of the New York press, which had not, however, attacked the literary quality of the number, the more bitterly he resented it, and his wife's indignation superheated his own. Every other week had become a very personal affair with the whole family. The children shared their parents' disgust. Bell was outspoken in her denunciations of a venal press. Mrs. March saw nothing but ruin ahead, and began tacitly to plan a retreat to Boston, and an establishment retrenched to the basis of two thousand a year. She shed some secret tears in anticipation of the privations which this must involve, but when Fulkerson came to see March rather late the night of the publication day, she nobly told him that if the worst came to the worst, she could only have the kindliest feeling toward him, and should not regard him as in the slightest degree responsible. "'Oh, hold on, hold on,' he protested. "'You don't think we've made a failure, do you?' "'Why, of course,' she faltered, while March remained gloomily silent. "'Well, I guess we'll wait for the official count first. Even New York hasn't gone against us, and I guess there's a majority coming down to Harlem River that could sweep everything before it anyway.' "'What do you mean, Fulkerson?' March demanded sternly. "'Oh, nothing. Only the news company has ordered ten thousand now, and you know we had to give them the first twenty on commission.' "'What do you mean?' March repeated. His wife held her breath. "'I mean that the first number is a booming success already, and that it's going to a hundred thousand before it stops. That unanimity and variety of censure in the morning papers, combined with the attractiveness of the thing itself, has cleared every stand in the city, and now if the favour of the country press doesn't turn the tide against us, our fortune's made.' The marches remained dumb. "'Why, look here!' Didn't I tell you those criticisms would be the making of us when they first began to turn you blue this morning, March? He came home to lunch perfectly sick, said Mrs. March, and I wouldn't let him go back again. Didn't I tell you so? Fulkerson persisted. March could not remember that he had, or that he had been anything but incoherently and hysterically jocose over the papers, but he said, yes, yes, I think so. "'I knew it from the start,' said Fulkerson. "'The only other person who took those criticisms in the right spirit was Mother Dryfoos. I've just been bolstering up the Dryfoos family. She had them read to her by Mrs. Mandel, and she understood them to be all the most flattering prophecies of success. Well, I didn't read between the lines to that extent quite, but I saw that they were going to help us if there was anything in us, more than anything that could have been done.' and there was something in us. I tell you, March, that seven-shooting, self-cocking donkey of a beaten has given us the greatest start. He's caught on like a mouse. He's made the thing awfully chic. It's Jimmy. There's lots of dog about it. He managed the process so that the illustrations look as expensive as first-class woodcuts, and they're cheaper than chromos. He's put style into the whole thing." "'Oh, yes,' said March, with eager meekness. "'It's Beaton that's done it.' Fulkerson read jealousy of Beaton in Mrs. March's face. "'Beaton has given us the start because his work appeals to the eye. There's no denying that the pictures have sold this first number, but I expect the literature of this first number to sell the pictures of the second. 
i've been reading it all over nearly since i found out how the cat was jumping i was anxious about it and i tell you old man it's good yes sir i was afraid maybe you had got it too good with that boston refinement of yours but i reckon you haven't i'll risk it i don't see how you got so much variety into so few things and all of them palpitant all of them on the keen jump with actuality the mixture of american slang with the jargon of european criticism in fulkerson's talk made march smile but his wife did not seem to notice it in her exultation that's just what i say she broke in it's perfectly wonderful i never was anxious about it a moment except as you say mr fulkerson i was afraid it might be too good they went on in an antiphony of praise till march said really i don't see what's left to me but to strike for higher wages i perceive that i'm indispensable why old man you're coming in on the divvy you know said fulkerson they both laughed and when fulkerson was gone mrs march asked her husband what a divvy was it's a chicken before it's hatched no truly he explained and she began to spend the divvy at mrs leighton's fulkerson gave alma all the honour of the success he told her mother that the girl's design for the cover had sold every number and mrs leighton believed him well i think i might have some of the glory miss woodburn pouted where am i coming in you're coming in on the cover of the next number said fulkerson we're going to have your face there miss leighton's going to sketch it in he said this reckless of the fact that he had already shown them the design of the second number which was beaton's weird bit of gas country landscape i don't see why you don't write the fiction for your magazine mr fulkerson said the girl this served to remind fulkerson of something he turned to her father i'll tell you what colonel woodburn i want mr march to see some chapters of that book of yours i've been talking to him about it i do not think it would add to the popularity of your periodical sir said the colonel with a stately pleasure in being asked my views of a civilization based upon responsible slavery would hardly be acceptable to your commercialized society well not as a practical thing of course fulkerson admitted but as something retrospective speculative i believe it would make a hit there's so much going on now about social questions i guess people would like to read it i do not know that my work is intended to amuse people said the colonel with some state my goodness i only wish it was then said his daughter and she added yes mr fulkerson the colonel will be very glad to submit portions of his work to your editor we want to have some of the honour perhaps we can say we helped to stop your magazine if we didn't help to start it they all laughed at her boldness and fulkerson said it'll take a good deal more than that to stop every other week the colonel's whole book couldn't do it then he looked unhappy for colonel woodburn did not seem to enjoy his reassuring words but miss woodburn came to his rescue you might illustrate it with a portrait of the author's daughter if it's too late for the cover going to have that in every number miss woodburn he cried oh my goodness she said with mock humility alma sat looking at her piquant head black unconsciously outlined against the lamp as she sat working by the table just keep still a moment she got her sketch-block and pencils and began to draw 
Fulkerson tilted himself forward and looked over her shoulder. He smiled outwardly, inwardly he was divided, between admiration of Miss Woodburn's arch beauty and appreciation of the skill which reproduced it. At the same time he was trying to remember whether March had authorized him to go so far as to ask for a sight of Colonel Woodburn's manuscript. He felt that he had trenched upon March's province, and he framed one apology to the editor for bringing him the manuscript, and another to the author for bringing it back. "'Must I hold right still like it was a photograph?' asked Miss Woodburn. "'Can I talk?' "'Talk all you want,' said Alma, squinting her eyes. "'And you needn't be either adamantine, nor yet wooden.' "'Oh, how very good of you! Well, if I can talk, go on, Mr. Fulkerson.' "'Me talk? I can't breathe till this thing is done,' sighed Fulkerson. At that point of his mental drama the colonel was behaving rustily about the return of his manuscript, and he felt that he was looking his last on Miss Woodburn's profile. "'Is she getting it right?' asked the girl. "'I don't know which is which,' said Fulkerson. "'Oh, I hope I shall. I don't want to go around feeling like a sheet of paper half the time.' "'You could rattle on just the same,' suggested Alma. "'Oh, now, just listen to that, Mr. Fulkerson. Do you call that any way to talk to people?' "'You might know which you were by the colour. Fulkerson began, and then he broke off from the personal consideration with a business inspiration, and smacked himself on the knee. "'We could print it in colour.' Mrs. Leighton gathered up her sewing, and held it with both hands in her lap, while she came round and looked critically at the sketch and the model over her glasses. "'It's very good, Alma,' she said. Colonel Woodburn remained restively on his side of the table. "'Of course, Mr. Fulkerson, you were jesting, sir, when you spoke of printing a sketch of my daughter.' "'Why, I don't know. If you object?' "'I do, sir, decidedly,' said the Colonel. "'Then that settles it, of course. I only meant—' "'Indeed it doesn't,' cried the girl. "'Who's to know who it's from? I'm just set on having it printed. I'm going to appear as the head of slavery, in opposition to the head of liberty.' "'There'll be a revolution inside of forty-eight hours, and we'll have the Colonel's system going wherever a copy of Every Other Week circulates,' said Fulkerson. "'This sketch belongs to me,' Alma interposed. "'I'm not going to let it be printed.' "'Oh, my goodness!' said Miss Woodburn, laughing good-humouredly. "'That's because you are brought up to hate slavery.' "'I should like Mr. Beaton to see it,' said Mrs. Leighton, in a sort of absent tone. She added to Fulkerson, "'I rather expected he might be in to-night.' "'Well, if he comes, we'll leave it to Beaton,' Fulkerson said, with relief in the solution, and an anxious glance at the Colonel across the table, to see how he took that form of the joke.' Miss Woodburn intercepted his glance and laughed, and Fulkerson laughed too, but rather forlornly. Alma set her lips primly and turned her head first on one side and then on the other to look at the sketch. I don't think we'll leave it to Mr. Beaton, even if he comes. We left the other design for the cover to Beaton, Fulkerson insinuated. I guess you needn't be afraid of him. Is it a question of my being afraid? Alma asked. She seemed coolly intent on her drawing. "'Miss Leighton thinks he ought to be afraid of her,' Miss Woodburn explained. "'It's a question of his courage, then?' said Alma. 
"'Well, I don't think there are many young ladies that Beaton's afraid of,' said Fulkerson, giving himself the respite of this purely random remark, while he interrogated the faces of Mrs. Leighton and Colonel Woodman for some light upon the tendency of their daughter's words. He was not helped by Mrs. Leighton saying, with a certain anxiety, "'I don't know what you mean, Mr. Fulkerson.' "'Well, you're as much in the dark as I am myself, then,' said Fulkerson. "'I suppose I meant that Beaton is rather a favourite, you know. The women like him.' Mrs. Leighton sighed, and Colonel Woodburn rose and left the room. In the silence that followed, Fulkerson looked from one lady to the other with dismay. "'I seem to have put my foot in it somehow,' he suggested, and Miss Woodburn gave a cry of laughter. "'Poor Mr. Fulkerson! Poor Mr. Fulkerson!' "'Papa thought you wanted him to go.' "'Wanted him to go?' repeated Fulkerson. "'We always mention Mr. Beaton when we want to get rid of Papa.' "'Well, it seems to me that I have noticed that he didn't take much interest in Beaton as a general topic, but I don't know that I ever saw it drive him out of the room before.' "'Well, he isn't always so bad,' said Miss Woodburn, "'but it was a case of hate at first sight, and it seems to be growing on Papa.' "'Well, I can understand that,' said Fulkerson. "'The impulse to destroy Beaton is something that everybody has to struggle against at the start.' "'I must say, Mr. Fulkerson,' said Mrs. Leighton, in the tremor through which she nerved herself to differ openly with anyone she liked, "'I never had to struggle with anything of the kind in regard to Mr. Beaton. He has always been most respectful and—and—considerate with me, whatever he has been with others.' "'Well, of course, Mrs. Leighton,' Fulkerson came back in a soothing tone. "'But, you see, you're the rule that proves the exception. I was speaking of the way men felt about Beaton. It's different with ladies. I just said so.' "'Is it always different?' Alma asked, lifting her head and her hand from her drawing, and staring at it absently. Fulkerson pushed both his hands through his whiskers. "'Look here, look here,' he said. "'Won't somebody start some other subject? "'We haven't had the weather up yet, have we? "'Or the opera? "'What is the matter with a few remarks about politics?' "'Why, I thought you liked to talk about the staff of your magazine,' said Miss Woodburn. "'Oh, I do,' said Fulkerson. "'But not always about the same member of it. "'He gets monotonous when he doesn't get complicated. "'I've just come round from the marches,' he added to Mrs. Leighton. "'I suppose they've got thoroughly settled in their apartment by this time,' Mrs. Leighton said something like this whenever the marches were mentioned. At the bottom of her heart she had not forgiven them for not taking her rooms. She had liked their looks so much, and she was always hoping that they were uncomfortable or dissatisfied. She could not help wanting them punished a little.' "'Well, yes, as much as they ever will be,' Fulkerson answered. The Boston style is pretty different, you know, and the Marches are old-fashioned folks, and I reckon they never went in much for bric-a-brac. They've put away nine or ten barrels of dragon candlesticks, but they keep finding new ones. Their landlady has just joined our class, said Alma. Isn't her name Green? She happened to see my copy of Every Other Week, and said she knew the editor, and told me. "'Well, it's a little world,' said Fulkerson. "'You seem to be touching elbows with everybody. "'Just think of your having had our head translator for a model. "'Ah, think that your whole publication revolves around the Leighton family,' said Miss Woodburn. 
that's pretty much so fulkerson admitted anyway the publisher seems disposed to do so are you the publisher i thought it was mr dryfoos said alma it is oh the tone and the word gave fulkerson a discomfort which he promptly confessed missed again the girls laughed and he regained something of his lost spirits and smiled upon their gaiety which lasted beyond any apparent reason for it miss woodburn asked and is mr dryfoos senior anything like your mr dryfoos not in the least but he's just as exemplary yes in his way well i wish i could see all those pinks of perfection together once why look here i've been thinking i'd celebrate a little when the old gentleman gets back have a little supper something of that kind how would you like to let me have your parlours for it mrs leighton you ladies could stand on the stairs and have a peep at us in the bunch oh my what a privilege and will miss alma be there with the other contributors i shall just expire of envy she won't be there in person said fulkerson but she'll be represented by the head of the art department my goodness and who'll the head of the publishing department represent he can represent you said alma well i want to be represented somehow we'll have the banquet the night before you appear on the cover of our fourth number said fulkerson i thought that was doubly forbidden said miss woodburn by the stern parent and the envious artist we'll get beaten to get round them somehow i guess we can trust him to manage that mrs leighton sighed her resentment of the implication i always feel that mr beaton doesn't do himself justice she began fulkerson could not forego the chance of a joke well maybe he would rather temper justice with mercy in a case like his this made both the younger ladies laugh i judge this is my chance to get off with my life he added and he rose as he spoke mrs leighton i am about the only man of my sex who doesn't thirst for beaton's blood most of the time but i know him and i don't he's more kinds of a good fellow than people generally understand he doesn't wear his heart upon his sleeve not his ulster sleeve anyway you can always count me on your side when it's a question of finding beaton not guilty if he'll leave the state alma sat her drawing against the wall and rising to say good-night to fulkerson he bent over on his stick to look at it well it's beautiful he sighed with unconscious sincerity alma made him a courtesy of mock modesty thanks to miss woodburn oh no all she had to do was simply to stay put don't you think i might have improved it if i had looked better the girl asked gravely oh you couldn't said fulkerson and he went off triumphant in their applause and their cries of which which miss leighton sank deep into an accusing gloom when at last she found herself alone with her daughter i don't know what you are thinking about alma leighton if you don't like mr beaton i don't you don't you know better than that you know that you did care for him oh that's a very different thing that's a thing that can be got over got over repeated mrs leighton aghast of course it can don't be romantic mamma people get over dozens of such fancies they even marry for love two or three times never cried her mother doing her best to feel shocked and at last looking it her looking it had no effect upon alma 
You can easily get over caring for people, but you can't get over liking them. If you like them because they are sweet and good, that's what lasts. I was a simple goose, and he imposed upon me because he was a sophisticated goose. Now the case is reversed. He does care for you now. You can see it. Why do you encourage him to come here? I don't, said Alma. I will tell him to keep away if you like. But whether he comes or goes, it will be the same. Not to him, Alma. He is in love with you. He has never said so. And you would really let him say so when you intend to refuse him? I can't very well refuse him till he does say so. This was undeniable. Mrs. Leighton could only demand in an awful tone, May I ask why, if you cared for him, and I know you care for him, still you will refuse him? Alma laughed. Because, because I'm wedded to my art, and I'm not going to commit bigamy whatever I do. Alma! Well, then, because I don't like him, that is, I don't believe in him, and don't trust him. He's fascinating, but he's false and fickle. He can't help it, I dare say. And you are perfectly hard. Is it possible that you were actually pleased to have Mr. Fulkerson tease you about Mr. Dryfoos? Oh, good night now, Mamma. This is becoming personal. End of chapter 26